football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Silver 7's 3 o'clock hour. Reminder, reminder, every Monday and Thursday now, we go 2 to 5. As we head off at 5 o'clock for the call of Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football. So, little change, but 2 o'clock start on Monday and Thursday throughout the football season. Silver 7's is our spot on Thursdays. 77 cents on Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra Bottles during all NFL games. That starts tonight. You can come on down. Before we skedaddle, a little after 5 o'clock, I've got free entries into the William Hill Pro Pick'em Contest. Those are worth 25 bucks a piece. so stop in, get in the contest, and you pick games straight up, and you have a chance to win money every week and at the end of the season. All right, let's do it. Well, good news for the Saints. Hopefully they survive these first three weeks, Candy, against the Packers in Jacksonville. That was supposed to be a home game. At Panthers, at Patriots, it looks like the Giants game in New Orleans will be actually in New Orleans on October 3rd. That It is sobering, though, when you think about it, that uh, because the, the way the schedule broke, they're okay. But, I mean, there's a chance that a uh, very good chance in, in different areas around New Orleans that, you know, they're still struggling badly with the devastation and power issues all the way through this entire month. I mean, sadly – we have a template for this, right? I mean, it's not as bad as it was during Katrina, but we also saw that the Saints were able to provide some very needed release for everybody who had gone through these tragedies when they came back, and uh, they certainly rallied around the Saints during that time. But uh, for this version of the New Orleans Saints, uh, I just feel terribly that, uh, that they're having their season disrupted once again. What do you think of the Saints, you know, keeping the eye on the prize, going to the Texans, and, you know, the Texans are like, man, we really don't want to win this year, so let's make some trades. Uh, Saints make a, a nice addition right before the beginning of the season, and Bradley Roby. I mean, the secondary had been getting thin there in New Orleans, so not surprised to see him make that move. Not the first trade we've seen the Texans make either. Uh, they've been basically selling off parts, and look, they have – upwards of 20 guys on one-year contracts in that franchise. They knew what they were doing this year. They knew right from the beginning what they were planning on, which was not to compete. And the real story with the Texans just has to be this, Steve. We're really going to have Deshaun Watson just sit there like a mascot all year long? Unreal. It's just amazing. Unreal, and the NFL is going to allow it. Like For the NFL, make a decision one way or the other. But if the decision is to do nothing, then he needs to play. This is nonsense. Texans going to keep acting as though he's not the best available player. I mean, come on. It, it, what's the difference between that player being on your roster and not playing and that player being on your roster and playing? He's there. He's getting paid. So what statement are you sending by not playing him? You're just making it weirder. Uh, we're going to give out our best over-under win total picks a little later in the show. We're doing uh... – Picks and predictions today, Candy and myself. Tomorrow, Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez are on the show, so look about their predictions. I always like to take a team at the very bottom or near the bottom on the wins list because I just don't expect the preseason negativity to play out on 
what is generally called the worst team, but there's actually a plus number on the over at plus 115 with the Texans, but I think I'm going to wait, and I'm kind of rooting for value on the bet. I did this a couple years ago with the Dolphins. I don't know if you remember that, but the Dolphins were like three in their tank for two a year. They got off to a terrible start, and they dropped the number like one and a half, and I was like, all right, now I'm going to take the over. So if the Texans get destroyed by the Jaguars, uh, maybe there's a chance this number gets readjusted, you know, week one, two, three, and I can get a better number. But right now on the over, over four, freaking four, five and 12 would beat the over four. Over is plus 115. Would you fire on the over? Absolutely not. That team, <laughs> okay. that team is not winning five games as currently constructed. I mean, I got to tell you honestly, Cofield, if Deshaun Watson were playing, I would still have to think twice about betting oh, wow. five on that team. As they are, though, there's no way. There's, there's no way that team is winning five games as currently set up, and you've already seen them willing to make trades. That's not going to stop. They're going to continue to sell and strip this thing down for parts. Well, the Bradley Robies of the world are not going to really move the dial, but they're key moves, right? Good move by the Saints. People are very focused on the rookies, and we're talking about the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, story in that amongst the highest-selling jerseys right now are Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Are you surprised? So you're telling me that <laughs> the New England Patriots, yep. who once again have exactly the young um, – how should I say this? Dermatologically correct – quarterback for New England yes. are not going to sell a thousand hundred million Mac Jones jerseys. Yeah. The only thing better would be if the quarterback's name was Mick Jones. <laughs> Just MC straight into Jones. Mick Jones. Yeah, there you go. Jonesy Mick Jones. Mac uh, McJones. Mac McJones. Mac McJones. And Mac of course, Jones. And Justin Fields. I mean, come on. Yep. The, the, the city of Chicago is going to lose it if Andy Dalton is still starting by like week three. Selling hope works, uh, and it's working across the NFL. As those two guys, uh, their jerseys are going off the racks really quickly. On the way back, we're going to get you ready for week two of college football. we got to look back at week one. Uh, I'm going to use some of those pro football focus rankings, especially on the quarterbacks, to break things down with our buddy from Stadium, Michael Felder. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Time to break down college football week number two. Michael Felder is with us from Stadium and at In the Bleachers up on Twitter. Let's look back at last week before we look ahead to this week. I uh, I love the player ratings at PFF, so I was reading up on the quarterbacks. So let's start by talking about quarterback performance last week. First of all, Texas, you got some encouraging yeah. signs there. Yeah, Hudson Card looks good. I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially against a, a, a Louisiana Lafayette team, that they'll take advantage of you if you're not prepared. And so I think that it's not just Hudson Card, but I also think that Bijan Robinson and Rushon Johnson deserve a little bit of credit. I think that the run game is important for them. And then Hudson Card's ability to play into that run game. I know he added that rushing touchdown, which was built off of what those guys were able to do in the run game, which was interesting. So how they're able to use Jordan Whittington, 
and push the ball down the field is going to be really interesting as they get into as they get closer at least to conference play. Cade McNamara had really high ratings, but he also lost Ronnie Bell at Michigan. Yeah, he also didn't throw the ball a ton, and so it's it when you're when, you know what I mean, like when you don't throw it a ton, uh, and you're you do hit most of your completions. That's interesting. That's that's very different. Like let me let me put it this way: he's he's got high ratings. Are you gonna ta- are you gonna take him over DJ Uyunglele at this point? Well, a lot of people are crushing DJ Uyunglele, and a lot of it's based on the offensive line. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I've had some people say, "Hey, you know what? This guy's a fraud." Absolutely not a fraud. And those whoever is saying that, I don't. Did they watch the game or do they watch football at all? I mean, did he make some mistakes? Certainly, but I think that he was not helped both by that offensive line or by the play calls. They only, they didn't run the ball much at all. And then their best running back, I still believe, is Lin J. Dixon. And I understand they wanted to go with pace. They wanted to try Shipley, but the reality is Dixon's the only one that knows where things are where things go when it comes to pass protection and and and, and which side he's supposed to be on. And so. For me, we still have to realize that DJ is a young quarterback. So is, so is Bryce Young, who was amazing. But DJ is a young quarterback still. This is only his second season in college. This is only his third game that he started. And uh, a year ago, they had a more veteran team. This year, a little bit of youth up front. And so, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm taking DJ over almost every. I'm, I'm taking DJ over every quarterback that's probably not Bryce Young. Brock Purdy, um, maybe Carson Strong at Nevada, and Sam Howell at UNC. But, like, I mean, we're not talking much, and Sam Howell didn't have a great day either. So we'll see what happens. But you know where we are. This is hot take time. So after one week, they're, you know, no one's going to grow. It doesn't matter how much experience they have. It doesn't matter if a unit had a bad game like the, the Clemson game. So let's build on the quarterback talk, and let's get to Ohio State. So let's talk C.J. Stroud here. And I've already taken Oregon plus 14 and a half. Uh, I cover enough Fresno games that I'm not worried about that performance against Fresno. My crazy here is uh, Ohio State going to blow Oregon off the field. Well, it's, it's, I've, I've got a question back to you before we get into that. What do you, you cover enough Fresno State games. So are you like when you look at that game that you feel better about Oregon or you just think that Fresno is Fresno State so good that that was they deserve to give them that game? The latter. I think Fresno plays a real physical brand of football. I also think it was yes. a look ahead spot for Oregon. It's game one. Uh, I'm big into the emotions of college football. You got to judge that. Are guys ready to go every single week? Probably not. They're they're kids and they're not consistent. No, I see. That's why I wanted to ask, because I was watching that game, too. And I my thought process was. If they don't play a game in 120 degrees a week ago, they might have the horses to finish this bad boy out because from seven minutes to go in that fourth quarter, they just were gassed. They were beat down. They just didn't have the bodies to make it happen. Um, For me, and you know me, I'm a football guy uh, through and through. So the biggest thing for me is going to be, does Kayvon Thibodeau play? If he plays, I think you're right about the cover. If he does not play, they might get the dog walked on them. They are a different defensive line. They're a different defense when he is not in the game. And his ability not just to get to the quarterback, but to let other people get to the quarterback because teams are so focused on him is remarkably important. But without him, I think C.J. Stroud feels comfortable and they can marry this vertical with this shallow passing game, and that can be a problem. I will say, the, the uh, Yalave we already know about. My God, the freshman running backs – for the Buckeyes, you know, uh, yards after catch, uh, just yeah. burst out of the backfield. The talent on that team is amazing. So Georgia shows up in week one and mm-hmm. kicks the teeth in of the Clemson offensive line, uh, wins a defensive battle. 
this to me looks like a trap spot. UAB is a good football program, and now we're hearing JT Daniels is questionable. So the line on this is 24. Does Georgia go out there and score enough points to cover 24? I think that Georgia's going to do everything in their power to score points in this football game. Um, because here's the reality, and this is the thing that I, I truly hate about my job and about this sport and about the way that people cover this sport. People are doing some sort of anointing or crowning of Georgia as like a clear number two when the reality is they played a 3-3 tie with Clemson. And I think that Kirby Smart recognizes this. I think that that coaching staff recognizes this. They have to score points in the games moving forward to prove that we, no, 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 we do have a good offense. They've got to prove that. And I think that we're going to see them really open things up to try to score. They were scared to do it against Clemson because of Clemson's, I don't know, what does Clemson have, the second-best defense in the country? Okay, so you got the best defense in the country going up against the second-best defense. I mean, we've seen this before, right, in the, um, what was it, game of the century, Alabama against LSU. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see. The narrative has already started to form itself where the ACC sucks and this is that and that and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is they played a 3-3 tie. And Kirby Smart never was made to feel uncomfortable by, by Clemson because their offensive line couldn't block their guys and because their running backs couldn't diagnose pressures. But the reality of it is when he plays Alabama, nobody's going to pick Georgia to win that game. Michael Felder, stadium with us, adding the bleachers on Twitter. I wonder what you make of all the FCS success against some of the FBS teams. I don't overreact, but I, I do find this one interesting. Kansas off a close win against FCS is taking on Coastal Carolina. How good is Coastal Carolina? They're laying 25 and a half against a Power 5 team. Yeah, Coastal's good, man. And they are, I, listen, I love Grayson McCall. I love what they're doing down there in Conway, South Carolina, which is right above, I believe, Myrtle Beach. I, I think that they are, they're a school, and I mean this with no disrespect, it's a school that you can go to and play ball their baseball remember their baseball team won a college world series this is a team that you can go to and play ball if you like the beach you like drinking beer and you like girls you can go there and have a great time i mean it's 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 a phenomenal situation for them for kids that don't end up at south carolina or clemson or unc or virginia tech they you can go there and play ball and it's a really cool landing spot so it's really awesome to watch them have success and Kansas. Kansas is in a really bad spot. It's they went. Th- they just went through this less miles uh, bullcrap, and we'll see what happens with them going forward. But the reality of it for them is going to be, I mean, if we're being honest, they got bigger things on their mind than this football game, right? Like not individual players, but as a program, they're wondering what happens to them in the next three, what two to three years. We got a good Sharps versus Squares game in Vegas with uh, Iowa and Iowa State. The Squares are on Iowa State because the lion's share of the tickets are on uh, Iowa, and then the Sharps are on Iowa State. It's four and a half. What do you think happens here? I think Iowa State gets a win. Iowa State, and, 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 and to, to your point about Oregon and the looking ahead in week one and the yada, 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 I think Iowa State is a team that I truly think is unique with respect to how they handle their week one every year under Matt Campbell specifically, they always go slow. They always start slow. They always play vanilla and they live or die with it. And we've seen them die with it in terms of early season losses. And then we see them live with it, but just barely like they did this past weekend. And in week two, I think we're going to see them run plays that Iowa is not prepared for run plays that Iowa has not seen on film. And I think that's going to be interesting 
to see how it shapes out. I like Brock Purdy a lot. I really like Brock Purdy. I really like Brees Hall. I think Mike Rose is a really good linebacker. Obviously, you throw in Greg Eisworth, and we'll see what they're going to be able to do. But I like the Cyclones because I think they've got an ability to be dynamic down the field, especially we get a healthy Charlie Kohler. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, but Iowa, there's something – I mean, this is – I think we're going to – I think we're looking at a dogfight, to be quite honest, because – Iowa, and I knew Iowa was going to be a problem for Indiana. I thought Indiana might, you know, show a pulse, which they didn't. But Iowa is a team who knows who they are. And I think there's something remarkably unique about in a world, and you mentioned the transition in college football, and it's a new team every year. And But Iowa just, they're, they're it's, it's, it's not to the same level, obviously, of Alabama, but they are plug and play. And if I put you here, this is the job you do. And if you don't do that job, then somebody else is going to get plugged in to do that job. So everyone just does their job for Iowa, and I love that about them. We mentioned the Texas opener and the success. Do they roll Arkansas? They're laying seven here. Arkansas is a uh, freaking kind of a gutty team, man. Good coach. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. And I think a big part of that is going to be Arkansas fits into what I was just talking about with Iowa, right? They, They know who they are. I think that's one of the luxuries or not luxuries the benefits of having an offensive line lineman as your head coach is everybody like those guys do a thankless job those guys are used to not like so they don't have stars they just have guys that do their job and I think uh, you throw in Sam Carter coming from TCU which is a school built on defense and the idea that they everyone has a role and you play your role and as long as you play your role everything's going to work out I think that I think it's a little bit different. There's not guys taking chances or guys trying to make hero plays for Arkansas, and I think that's going to give a little bit of trouble for Texas. Live here at Silver 7s on a Thursday, breaking down the college football week number two. Michael Felder's with us from Stadium. All right, overreaction number of the week. Uh, this game was a pick or one with Michigan favored uh, before the season. Michigan and Washington, it's now seven. Uh, what do you take from Washington's loss against Montana? They can't keep this game close at Michigan? I don't know. I watched that game. I just – I don't know, man. Honestly, like, I was super excited about Jimmy Lake, and then obviously we get we go through the COVID season as he's transitioning into being the head coach, and then you, you lose to Montana. I haven't – and then Ronnie Bell injury, which is a big issue for Michigan. I have no idea, man. I, I, right. I, like, the, the honest answer is don't touch. Just why? Unless you're like some sort of a weird psycho, just ignore that this game is even going to be played and watch it for fun. Boy, I don't want to overreact to what happened to Stanford against Kansas State, but it's hard not to. And, uh, hey, San Jose State's a good team, and SE, as the game went along, they rolled them. So SE's laying 17 and a half. This is going to be interesting. I love Tanner McKee. I, I have been a huge fan of his since he was at the Elite 11. I really like him. I'm glad he's going to get the wire. Hopefully the wire to wire go. I saw him. Obviously, he played a little bit. He played. They kept switching out quarterbacks. I think this is an interesting spot for David Shaw to be in because it seems like kind of the blooms off the rose there. And we'll see if he's able to put together a, a team that can compete in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 North. There seems to be an area of opportunity, right, where – we're seeing Washington show against Montana. Like, what Kansas State did to them, that stinks, right? It sucks if you're Stanford. But you you come home, like, you get off the plane, and you're like, oh, Washington lost to Montana. At least we lost to a real team. <laughs> so I think that there's area of opportunity. And, and, and Cal lost to Nevada. So, like, we're – it's we're we're better. We're be- Utah State, Utah State, Washington State. Like we're we're okay. We'll be okay. 
So it's going to be interesting. Um, San Jose State was in that USC game with San Jose State. If Nick Starkle doesn't throw that pick, San Jose State has a chance to take the lead in the second half. And it just could they just couldn't get there to tie it up in the second half, excuse me. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, USC Stanford, like for me, I want to see the I want to see USC continue. I want to see them run the ball hard and be physical up front. But at the same time, you flip it over to the other side. You want to see Stanford. What happened to them? They used to be like super strong and super tough, and now it's just kind of not quite strong enough, and certainly they've never been fast enough. The strength was the thing that got them over the top, and now they don't have that either. Uh, last one, you know, you got a lot of hype around Chip Kelly and UCLA and USC off to a oh, good yeah. start and the Pac-12 South. You know, Arizona State is still there, and they had a lot of controversy in the offseason. Uh, UNLV is actually going to Tempe, and they're, they're getting nearly 35 now. How good is Arizona State? How good is their power running game? Can they have a season where they only drop a game or two? I, I don't know. I think Arizona State's quite interesting to me because obviously we like Jaden Daniels, but their bread is buttered running the football, and we're going to see how that shakes out. And Running the football and then working play action to get the ball down the field. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like. I I still don't know how good they are, and that's something that obviously we're going to be looking at as they start to get into more – and no more respectable opponents, right? And so that's going to be – BYU next week. Exactly. There. Yeah. That's the game that I have circled for them of like sort of that barometer. BYU is playing Utah this weekend, which is going to be the Holy War is going to be pretty interesting to see what Utah, what Utah with Charlie Brewer and all them are able to do. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. So for me, I'm it's still I'm still taking the temperature on on ASU. And then, it, man, I don't know. And by the way, you mentioned UCLA. Chip Kelly got out of his own way. Let's run this football, baby. Make it easy for our offensive line. Let's use these two running backs that we have. And by the way, we've got a third guy who can run in DTR. Let's cause some confusion. And then once you get the defense on the he- their heels, it's much easier to push them over. Follow Michael Felder on Twitter, at In the Bleachers. You put together a, a website where people can see updates on everything you do because you're not just a sports guy. Yeah, so basically, if you check me out at itsfelder.bulletin.com, uh, it's a newsletter you plug in your email you'll get it straight to your email same thing as like a sub stack or any of those other things mailchimp whatever it is and you'll get all that every week it's going to be a little football a little cooking we're going to do some recipes and stuff folks have been hounding me about well what was in the sauce that you made for those wings and i'm gonna that's where it's all gonna live it's cool to have a place where you know you know how it is like when your producer's like oh that that's not gonna fit into this show and you're like okay well it's a thing i really like but i guess i'll have to put it somewhere else and this is the somewhere else for a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. That's freaking awesome. Check it out. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. You take it easy. There he is, Cofield and Company, College Football Insider Michael Felder, at In the Bleachers on Twitter, and he does all his work for Stadium. Well, football is back, college football and the NFL. And on Monday nights, Cofield and Company's home is going to be Twin Peaks on Eastern. Come out for the first Monday night football game. Bonus, it's the Ravens and the Raiders. Cofield and Company will be live with the show starting at 2 o'clock. Great happy hour specials like a buck off, a bunch of the drinks, and the freezing cold 29-degree draft brews. Plus, Twin Peaks has appetizers on sale as low as 2 4 and $6. Monday night, all season long, you can watch the games. With ESPN Las Vegas at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I got nothing to lose to go against Tom Brady. If I do well, 
I said, yeah, I knew I belonged here. If I don't, I'd be like, nah, I can learn and show that I belong here. You know he's gonna be keen on you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he will do little stuff to you that you don't even think. It's like a mind game, and he'll look at you. So all my homeboys like, yo, you gotta get him. You got to. I'm like, bro, I'm gonna try. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Nice. The music gets you fired up. Football, Cowboys, Ware trying to teach Parsons, talking about TB12. We're here at Silver Sevens, best of all 77 cent beers. Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra. Yeah, there's not a blip in the signal. 77 cents on Bud, Bud Light. And Mick Ultra bottles all throughout the season. Starts tonight during NFL games, 77 cents on beers. We're going to talk to former NFL player Mark McMillan in about 15 minutes. By the way, you want to go up to lvsportsnetwork.com right now. It's your last chance. you get got about 90 minutes to get into our You Pick'em Pro Football Challenge grand prize. You win a trip for two to Hawaii. Second prize for you after I win the trip to Hawaii candy is a set of steak knives. So enjoy that. Ari, third prize, you're fired. There you go. Sorry, I love that speech. <laughs> I think I botched it, but, you know, you try on the fly sometimes. And those steak knives will be pretty useful. Look, ultimately... <laughs> we know that Ari's not going to get these picks in. Like, we understand uh, that it took great. me all five minutes when you sent me the invite yep. to get my picks in. And Ari was like, well, I've got tonight. Like, homeboy, we've been talking about week one of the NFL for about, I don't know, six <laughs> months now. Like, if you don't know who you're going to pick, that you haven't even been listening to the show. But I'm not always included on these necessarily. Oh. Sometimes I'm like, which is okay. I'm, I'm just saying. So The, the pick-up oh, promotion was I'm sent to you included. two weeks Five ago by the bosses. Ago. It's been up. No, no, no. Mm. The contest has been up on our website for two weeks. I know every day you're squeezing in every um, minute is work, but you can look at our website every once in a while, bro. All right. Just watch me win this whole thing. I hope you do. We'll shut it down. I hope you do. You got your uh, brand new car, although you cry poverty, and you'll have a trip to Hawaii, so you can never complain again. Right? Angel laughing laughing out to the side. It's a nice car, isn't it? I pulled in the lot the other day. I'm like. That's hilarious. That's actually really perfect that Steve is trying to describe Ari's new BMW, and I can't what? believe that. He took himself off the air. Are you want that's you rough. want to describe the whip for us? It's not a BMW, everyone. Oh, that's I'm sorry. But I will it's, give I'm a sorry. Shout. It's a Benz. I'll give a, a plug Benz. to uh, Finley Volkswagen for hooking me up there. Melissa, awesome GM over there, got me going. So, yeah, really. Now I have reliable transportation to and from work. So, uh, oh, wait and, a second. Hold on. Wait a minute. What, the hold haters. on. Hold on. Reliable transportation. So, are you telling me that that in the past you were like hopping on a Schwinn and trying to navigate traffic on the way to Never. the office? Like, no. what are you talking about? Not at all. I'm I'm just saying that is that is the point here. I have that that is the goal. Caulfield thinks he's back. I don't know if he's really back. Uh, Appar- I have control. Apparently, uh, with our equipment, you're not supposed to punch the table. <laughs> I guess it's kind of sensitive. Or- Never had that happen before. I don't punch the table often. Or talk negatively about the producer. Maybe, maybe that's maybe what that happened. What it was. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> you program the machine anytime you start getting blasted. Thanks, Angel. 
Cut him off. See, yeah, or Angel has dumped us. Angel is your buddy. We planned it. We planned it. Yeah. You need to talk to John Gruden and Mike Mayock because remember how they talked about how they were going to pound the table for Derek Carr. Yeah, pound the table for him. <laughs> they know how to do it right. You so don't know before, what you're doing. Candy, before we get back to some of our football picks because we got some special props to go over, there's a weird story developing. Is someone misremembering what they heard, or is the Red Sox Hunter Renfro onto some, eh, I don't know, major scandal? Breaking news? What's going on here with the Red Sox and the lower COVID issues? Well, here's the deal, man. I think if there were any question about the Hunter Renfro power rankings as to whether we've got the best one here in Vegas or whether <laughs> Boston has the best one on the Red Sox roster, we win. Uh, Hunter Renfro said today on local radio in Boston that at one point Major League Baseball told the Red Sox to stop testing when they were going through their COVID outbreak, said that the Red Sox just shouldn't test anymore. They should just treat the symptoms and try to move on. And Lou Merloni, who was doing the interview, said, wait a second, Major League Baseball told you to stop testing. Renfro said yes. Uh, Didn't take long for Manfred & Co. to come back. I believe the number was somewhere over 1,800 tests that have been conducted on the Red Sox uh, over just the last few weeks. So, yeah, I, I don't think Hunter Renfro knows where he's coming from here. But my question to you, Cofield, is why? Like, what, what exactly does Hunter Renfro gain by saying that? Because it's such a wild, off-base thing that I think even those like me who are no fan of Rob Manfred are like, bruh, come on now. Why would they do that? I don't know that Hunter Renfro. I don't really know this Hunter Renfro here uh, that well. So I, I don't know about the baseball Hunter Renfro if he's kind of a kook at times. Well, all I know is that the guy managed to kill his buzz pretty fast. Like, last night, Hunter Renfro was gunning a runner down at the plate, had people crowing about how great he was. What a great defensive play. Saved the Red Sox. And then he goes on radio today and starts lying for, like, no apparent reason. Mighty Mac is up in about eight minutes. So let's get in more of our preseason picks for the NFL, our special props. Let's fire up the NFL films music. Let's do it. All right, ready? Uh, these are all William Hill props. So we're hanging out here at Silver Sevens, getting ready for Thursday Night Football, the opener, Cowboys, and the Buccaneers. Uh, we saw a guy like Dan Orlovsky talking about how great the Buccaneers are. Is 17-0 a possibility? Uh, well, you can bet it. Actually, you can bet a better number. Will a team win 15 or more games? Yes, plus 120. No, minus 140. I don't want to bet this, but if you made me take a side, I would take the no. I don't think we're going to have a 15-win team this year. The league is A, built on parity and the idea of teams regressing, and B, it's a COVID season. Again, we have no idea who's going to be ready to play at any given time, and so I'm going to take the under on that. We also have an AFC where you could have at least two of the divisions where teams have outstanding records and aren't challenged and don't have to play anyone the final week. So I'll take the no, minus 140. Passing yards, head-to-head. Russell Wilson versus Derek Carr. Who has more passing yards this year? Wilson the favorite, minus 125. I really want to ask Pete Carroll because I think he's the one who has the control over this in the end. Russell Wilson throws one of the best deep balls in the NFL. He's got two proven receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And the problem for Derek Carr is as accurate as he is, John Gruden generally doesn't let him throw down the field. And he's already talked about Henry Ruggs taking the top off the defense for the underneath guys. So I'll take Russell Wilson. 
I'm going to take Derek Carr on the value. He finished about 100 yards behind Wilson, and I think Pete Carroll wants to be second-half Seahawks, second-half Pete Carroll. He wants to run the ball, and now he's got his running backs back. So I think Wilson will finish behind Derek Carr. More rushing yards. Rookie Najee Harris or Raiders Josh Jacobs. Jacobs' first two years averaged about 1,100 yards a season. I just mentioned Harris is a rookie out of Bama. The Steelers are running behind one of the worst. I should say Harris is running behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league for the Steelers. I know they're going to force feed him, but in the end, if Josh Jacobs is healthy, and hey, we're already dealing with an injury for a guy who did not play a single snap in the preseason, uh, I want to take Josh Jacobs here. Uh, I would not bet this. I took Najee Harris. I do believe there's something up with Josh Jacobs, and I think there'll be more of a mix at running back. More passing yards, second-year guys, one coming off the big injury. Joe Burrow, plus 105, or Justin Herbert, more passing yards, minus 125. Justin Herbert is going to have one of those seasons that we look back on and say, wow, how did this guy go number six overall? I'll take Justin Herbert. I'm taking Herbert, too. More receiving yards, bigger split here on the numbers. Jerry Judy against Henry Ruggs. More receiving yards, Judy, minus 200. Raiders Ruggs, plus 170. I actually love the value on Henry Ruggs here. I, I love getting plus 170 on a guy who doesn't have to get that many targets in order to get his yardage. Like, Henry Ruggs is going to get a lot of deep balls thrown his way. And here's the thing. Jerry Judy's not the number one receiver in that offense. Portland Sutton's the number one receiver in that offense. And Jerry Judy had a case of the dropsies for a while last year. So I'll take Judy. I mean, this, uh, I'll take Ruggs. This is a terrible bet. I'm going to take Judy. Minus 200. I want to see it from Ruggs before I believe it. And I'm willing to pay the price that could hurt me in the overall money standings because we're going to keep track of this from a money standpoint so very there is closely. a risk very taking, closely yes oh we will i told you uh whatever accounting firm you want to hire you guys pick uh ari will pay for it they'll be tracking this thing the entire season and of course i will bring it up because i never forget our picks so i will mock no. throughout the season no no no. i i, I uh ari said we're going to hire dewey cheatham and how okay <laughs> mark mcmillan the former eagle and chief NFL veteran, foodie, Grillin' McMillan is on the way. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. So, you're Patrick Mahomes? You think I'm Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> too? Whose jersey is this? I mean, I'm not Patrick Mahomes, or you Dak Prescott? Yeah! So, good to see you. So good to see you! <laughs> so you can't keep getting me and Patrick confused. Yeah, you got I don't have the hair, he's got the hair. So He's got that, the hair like you. That's Prescott. It's good to see you. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. A not-so-hot hard knocks, but that was a pretty cool moment. Aiden Diggs, Javon Diggs' son, uh, mistaking Dak Prescott, calling him Patrick Mahomes, and then then calls him Dak Prescott 15 more times. Play kid. I like him. I like him a lot. All right, we got a lot to get into as we're getting ready for Game number one of the season, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Candy's here. It's Cofield. Mark McMillan is in. And, Mark, we do need to mention one of the sad moments of the week in the passing of uh, Sam Bam Cunningham just a couple of days ago. And I know, um, you know, you were thinking about him the other day. Yeah, it, it's uh, tough. I know we had our rundown, and it just kind of kind of uh, flipped my mind, man. I've been, you know, texting back and forth with Rando. Uh, texting his son, texting his daughter, you know, just trying to keep them encouraged, man. But, you know, Randall, man, he's a, he's a strong dude, man, strong faith. And, 
uh, what Sam was able to do, uh, I've been telling this story for the last couple of days, is uh, there should be a movie about Sam Bam Cunningham and what yep. he was able to accomplish as well as the USC program uh, with Coach McKay and, and what Coach Bryant was able to do, uh, bringing, you know, an integrated team down to uh, Birmingham, Alabama and Legion Field and putting on a, a shellacking of Barry Bryant's squad. And after that, you know, just sitting down a couple of times uh, just talking to Sam about that, that, that very moment, you know, obviously going to Alabama, uh, knowing the history about it, um, and then actually sitting down with the man and asking, asking him questions about what was it like, uh, how did he feel, um, what kind of impact did that make on his career after that. And, uh, you know, he was just very transparent. He's like, you know, you know they just went down there to play a game, and, uh, you know, uh, he didn't see any color line. You know, those guys, you know, him and Randall born in Santa Barbara, so there was no – there was no ill will about, uh, you know, white players. You know, they were just down there to play a game. And uh, what he was able to do uh, kind of opened up the history oh, yeah. for University of Alabama, uh, for Alabama and for players like myself of, of color. You know, I, I told uh, Randall Cunningham, I told his son today, I said, without Sam, uh, there's no Mark McMillan. There's no Cornelius Bennett. There's no, uh, you know, David Palmer or Saran Stacey. The, the list goes on about players, Sylvester Crooms. Uh, you know, there's a lot of players that came through that program, but without USC going down south and uh, playing in Legion Field, um, every time I took the field, I told Lil Randall this today, man, I said I took that to heart, knowing the history of, of Alabama football, USC football, growing up watching USC football. Um, a lot of guys really didn't know, you know, what was on my heart, and I knew uh, that I was playing in a historical stadium that Sam Bam Cunningham made history in. Mark McMillan is with us here. On this Thursday, as we're getting ready for the NFL season, well, uh, Sam Bam was a guy who had a massive impact in that game with 135 yards on the ground, and some bad news for the Ravens today as they continue to get dinged up at running back. Now, Gus Edwards may be down for the season. How many injuries can you you take at running back, Mark? Before you know the number one rushing team in the National Football League is affected, you know, are Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman going to be enough to keep this thing rolling on the ground? Uh, they're going to have to be. Um, obviously, that changes the whole game plan. Um, you know, when you're losing, you know, quality running backs like the Ravens had, and they had a really good rushing game, you put a lot more pressure on Lamar, um, you know, and the Le'Veon Bell, you know, he hasn't been the same since he left Pittsburgh. You know, he had a little stint with the Giants, you know, with the, uh, with the Jets. Uh, you know, didn't work out well with the Chiefs. Um, so it, it's going to be a, a lot on, uh, you know, Lamar's shoulders to carry the load and, you know, He's not a very good guy, so he can't take a lot of hits. So it's going to be pretty interesting uh, to see how that goes. And then you figure Marcus Peters, uh, the other starting cornerback uh, on the other side of Martin Humphrey, you know, he goes down, you know, they said with a parent knee injury. So this is a bad time for the Ravens to get hurt. But, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, it's not as bad as, 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 uh, as it seems for, for, the, you know, for Peters. But when you lose, you know, players like that, uh, it, it's tough to come back from. Talking earlier about the Marcus Peters situation, Mark, and we're saying, you know, this Ravens team blitzes as much as any team in the NFL, and that often means that you've got your corners out on an island. Uh, you know, what do you think it does to the Ravens? I thought that a potential Peters injury was more concerning than anything I heard about the running backs. Yeah, like, you know, they, they can get away uh, in the National Football League, uh, you know, with just plugging running backs in. Uh, you know, Lamar is so explosive, but, you know, they rely on their defensive side of the ball. And, you know, like you said, they, they blitz a lot of times. And, 
you know, Marlon and uh, Peters are on the island a lot. And, you know, those, they, they, they got paid, uh, you know, for their services. And when you lose a starting cornerback in this league, um, I say this all the time, you need three starting cornerbacks in the National Football League because of the way all these teams are spreading players out. You know, you have three good receivers on one end of the side of the ball, and if I'm the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, I'm looking at that injury report, and I'm, I'm feeling a little good about myself. Marty Mack is with us. All right, so what do you think happens on Monday with the Ravens and the Raiders? Um, and that's a good question, Steve. You know, it, 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 the tide has turned. You know, no pun intended about Alabama. Let's get that little plug in. But, you know, when you lose key players like that and, what's today, Thursday, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, nobody knows what kind of shape Le'Veon Bell is in. Obviously, they put him on the practice squad to kind of get him in shape. But he's going to be thrown into the fire early. And, you know, if I'm John Gruden, I'm licking my chops. And, I'm, uh, you know, uh, Darren Waller, you know, he's, he's one of the top tight ends in the league. Uh, he should have a really good game. Uh, when you lose a starting cornerback, you got to move your whole secondary around. So it's going to be a lot of pressure on those guys. So I'm picking the Raiders now. I was a little little skeptical, but now I'm picking the Raiders to win on Monday night. The hometown guy going with the Raiders. Uh, you, all right, let me go back to something here. You talked about the uh, – the, the little mention of the Tide. We, we know you never have to go too far to get Mark McMillan to talk about the Tide. Uh, Nick Saban today came out and said that he wasn't impressed with his team's intensity in that opening win over Miami. I don't know, Mark. They look pretty dominant to me overall. Is Nick Saban just trying to send a message here, or did, did you think that Alabama didn't play as well as it could have? You know, I don't, I don't know what kind of message he's trying to send, but I thought they played really well coming out of the gate. Um, this is probably the best the O-line has played in an opening game, uh, especially with all the players that they lost. Uh, you know, especially, you know, you, you lose one of the top picks in the draft with Leatherwood, who's now here with the, with the Las Vegas Raiders, and you just plug and play with those guys. you got a young quarterback, uh, Bryce Young, who's already, what, slated to make a million dollars in endorsements before he took one college snap, you know, as a starting quarterback. But, you know, those guys were flying around. Uh, I was impressed with the defensive side of the ball, the way the linebackers were able to get after the quarterback. Uh, the D-line has gotten better. Uh, the young cornerbacks, you know, are, are stepping up. So it's by running back committee. It's by wide receiver committee. Uh, you know, they look pretty impressive. So um, I, I look forward to uh, for them to go undefeated. You know, it's going to be a gauntlet. I know they have Florida on the slate. LSU dropped the, dropped the load down in Pasadena. And uh, I know that was one of the things we want to talk about, about UCLA, the resurgence of Chip Kelly. Is UCLA legit? What do you think? I think they're legit. And, you know, obviously you really couldn't, uh, you know, tell about when they played Hawaii. You know, they just blew Hawaii out of the water. And, you know, I, I thought LSU would, would probably win the game. I was saying by three or four points. But, you know, UCLA just kept answering. You know, they have a good tight end. They have a really good running game. Uh, Deshaun Foster down there at UCLA, he's the running back, a former NFL player as well for the Panthers, is doing a really good job with those guys. Uh, the defensive side of the guy, all, all these guys were freshmen when Chip got there, and now these guys are seniors, and now it's paying off. And, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people are picking UCLA to be here in uh, Las Vegas for that Pac-12 championship game. Mark McMillan with us on Cofield & Company, grilling McMillan. Uh, do you have a giveaway, yeah. or did you have a giveaway going today on uh, IG? Yeah, uh, follow my IG at McMillan29. I've partnered up with Dynaglo, uh, LeFevre Farms, Tasty Duck, and my olive oil company. So today – 
uh, starting uh, in a couple hours, follow my Instagram account. We're going to be giving away a $250 or $300 gift card that's going to go toward a Dynagrove grill. Nice. Uh, LaFaver Farms is uh, giving away two 24-ounce T-bone steaks. And then Tasty Duck, for all those people that eat ducks, we're giving away two roasted ducks, two comfy duck legs, one smoked duck breast, and one coffee mug. So you got to get some Grilling McMillan care packages. And the grill that everybody seems to be tweeting on, you get a chance to win your very own grill tonight. So make sure you follow the EJ, uh, my, Igram, my Instagram account, at McMillan29. See what you want. You want some duck? You want some, st- you want some steak? What you want? What you want, Candy? Oh, I need, I need that duck. I need that duck. <laughs> I, I, I need that duck. I want that duck. I got to have that duck. <laughs> oh, my God. Mark, the bacon that you had on your Dynaglow today. What in God's yep. name? That looked delicious. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just got my uh, griddle in the mail uh, last week uh, from Dynaglobe. Um, they've been a great uh, partnership that I've, I've formed. And, uh, you know, the, the griddle was hot, man. I had some bacon, I had some eggs, I had some home fried potatoes on it. And it, it came out really good. So I'm excited about my new griddle, man. Tonight is hibachi night to kick off, you know, the Buccaneers nice. and the Cowboys. So I'm going to throw a little chicken a little steak on there with some vegetables, with some soy bay teriyaki sauce. Man, it's about to be Benny McMillan in the backyard tonight. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Or Benny Macca. <laughs> uh, who are you picking to win the game, the, the Cowboys or the Bucks? I'm picking the Bucks. Uh, I talked to my guy. Uh, I don't need, I, I know people like, man, he's name dropping. But Kevin Ross is my guy. He was my guy <laughs> in, in Kansas City. We played together. Uh, he's a defensive back coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, he said those guys are locked and loaded. They're ready to go. Uh, we're going to see how Dak fares against a really good defensive team. Uh, Tampa Bay is bringing everybody back on both sides of the ball, so it should be interesting to see how those guys uh, start off. But I'm picking the Buccaneers uh, to win big tonight. All right, Mark. Good spot, man. We'll talk to you. All right. Appreciate you guys. We'll get that duck for you, Candy. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. That's awesome. <laughs> Mark McMillan, Grillin McMillan, get up to Instagram. He's got that cool giveaway with a lot of items. Uh, reminder, this weekend, uh, help out the less fortunate. Bring a, a couple items of food over to Ford Country, 280 North Gibson and Henderson. There's going to be a meet and greet. Q, our guy Q, is on the scene from Raider Nation Radio 920, and uh, he's a star, but the big star, Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, will be out there from 3 to 4.30. It's 3 to 4.30 this Saturday. Meet and greet with Q and Josh Jacobs at Ford Country in Henderson. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.